the Triathlon Show 318. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and uh, let me first start off by wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. Uh, the ideal timing of that would probably have been in last week's episode before Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but as I have been recording the interviews and intros and outros of these December episodes well in advance uh, from mid to late November essentially it actually just slipped my mind that episode 317 would be the one just before Christmas so I will say it now instead Merry Christmas if that is something that you celebrate I hope you have had a wonderful time and that you and your family are all healthy and safe for today's episode, we are doing something a little different. I'm going to interview two of my favorite coaches in the world, my good friends and colleagues Lachlan Kirin and David Doche of Scientific Triathlon. Uh, the topic for today will be a year in review, so we will break down things that we have learned in 2021 in different ways. And uh, after I interview uh, Lockie and David, I will follow up with my own answers to the same questions that I will ask of the two of them. I do want to warn you and apologize in advance if my voice is a bit scratchy and breaks at some points. I have been battling a cold for the last week or so and, and also I had that when I was conducting interviews with David and Lockie. So um, yeah, it's not it's not ideal for podcasting, but sometimes you have to you have to work through those those situations as well. So hopefully it's not uh, too annoying. Now let's just quickly thank our sponsors and uh, also I want to say a big thanks and Merry Christmas to all of our sponsors. Uh, before naming today's episode sponsors, uh, I want to say that the support of all of our sponsors, Precision Hydration, Roca and Zenate throughout this year is something that I massively appreciate and do not take lightly or for granted. Uh, in fact, I feel very, very privileged to work with brands that I love and how that enables me to do something else that I love, which is producing this podcast. Uh, but it is a fact that this podcast could not exist without sponsors. So keep in mind that whenever you shop from our sponsors using our coupons or special urls then you are helping in supporting the podcast's longevity now big thanks to today's episode sponsors which are precision hydration precision hydration create electrolyte products that you can match to how you sweat and fueling products that make it easy for you to hit your numbers they also provide a fantastic amount of information on their blog, in their newsletter, and in interviews uh, that uh, I have plenty of on this podcast with founder Andy Blow. You can just type in Andy in the search bar on scientifictriathlon.com and you'll find all of his episodes. They also have a bunch of great free tools on their website like the online sweat test and the quick carb calculator. And you can even book a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with an expert from the PH team. Use the promo code thattriathlonshow15 to get 15% off your first order on precisionhydration.com. And thank you to Senate. The Senate Indoor Swim Trainer is a one-of-a-kind swim bench for time-crunched triathletes looking to improve their swim technique, power and propulsion, and consistency of swim training. It is very affordable, about the price of a pair of running shoes, and Senate offers free shipping in the US and the UK. But best of all, you can try it completely risk-free. If you don't love it after two weeks, just send it back and you get a full refund. Get 20% off your order at senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the first interview of today, which is with scientific triathlon coach Lachlan Kirin. You can find him on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash Lachlan or on Instagram at LJKirinTriathlete. 
Welcome back to the podcast, Lucky. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, looking forward to uh, to having this chat with you. It's always interesting to to kind of review things and uh, and see where uh, what what things seem to work and what things to kind of try to improve on. That's that's always one of the most interesting topics to me to to chat about. So um, let's just dive right in with the first question for you, and uh, that is, what do you think worked well for you in your coaching in 2021 that you want to highlight? Um, yeah, actually, I, I thought this year something that worked really well for me and, and probably a little bit of it actually came, you know, from my athletes um, doing it themselves but but was outsourcing. Um, you know, I think it's easy as, as a coach, especially in triathlon where you have multiple sports, to kind of, um, you know, expect of yourself to be an expert in all things. But, but realistically, there's people out there that have um, a lot more knowledge and depth of knowledge around certain things. And, and it's important to use those people um, and to learn from them and, and understand um, where they're coming from. And, you know, through doing that, I think it's developed my kind of general skill set and understanding of things, but um, has also allowed, you know, my athletes to get some different inputs uh, on certain things as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. So what sort of areas, for example, did you use? Was it things like nutrition, strength and conditioning, or, or what are we talking about specifically? Yeah, I think nutrition is a big one. Um, you know, it's obviously very uh, individual uh, f- for the athlete and also strength and conditioning as well. I think with the strength and conditioning side of things, um, that initial assessment with um, a professional who can see the athlete face-to-face becomes really important. Um, you know, and then as well as um, strength and conditioning, I suppose things like physiotherapy and um, rehabilitation, but but really ensuring that, you know, the, the conversations with those experts and professionals and the athlete and myself is is kind of all done together so that we can all be on the same page. And I think when you're all on the same page, it, it really helps to, to kind of, um, you know, ensure that all those processes are, are going in the right direction. Yeah, no, I think that, that makes total sense. It, it's you kind of help build a team around the athlete essentially and uh and the athlete is in the center of it all and, and obviously the uh the most important person there but but then having ha- having people on the same page trying to help with with their particular skill sets is uh is really great yeah i think that's that's a great way to put it actually is is really understanding that the athlete is the center um you know and, and that you are just a, a cog in that kind of machine and, and you know as as a coach Often, you know, you, you play a fairly big role, but I think it's important to understand that, you know, other people, whether it be that, you know, support network to say with nutrition, strength and conditioning, but also family and things like that, you know, they're, they're all very important too. And, and, you know, ultimately you're a fairly um, <clears throat> small part in, in, you know, the scheme of all that. So just understanding that and, and trying to bring it all together to, to ensure the athlete has the best experience. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right, so any other things than outsourcing, or what was that the, the really big one? Yeah, as I look back on it, that's probably the number one thing um, at, at this point. All right, and uh, then on the flip side of that, uh, were there things that you found did not work so well, or that you would have done differently? Yeah, I think this was um, 
a really interesting year uh, just because of, of obviously the, the state of the world with COVID. So um, what I really found was that um, I had athletes that ended up having a stack of races or, or very close. And um, I, I'm probably consider myself a fairly optimistic person and, and potentially um, through some of those, um, you know, stacked races, I was a little bit too optimistic about recovery. So, you know, if, if I could maybe go back, I would, maybe have some more difficult uh, conversations with athletes about, you know, choosing specific races as opposed to, to trying to do them all. And, and frankly, it wasn't really, you know, their fault. It was just the, the way of um, races being postponed and things. But, you know, where there was opportunities to, um, you know, defer an entry to say 2022 or something like that, you know, I think there was more opportunities for us to take those. And, and that's probably on, on my shoulders a little bit as well. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting one. And actually, so so I made my personal notes and answers to these questions as well, even though I haven't recorded it yet. But but I kind of wrote down something very very similar to to what you said there uh, for this question as one one of my points. Basically, race planning, season planning, and as you say, part of it was external circumstances with with COVID. But at the same time, I felt that it was something probably that that, that I as well felt in hindsight that uh, i could have taken a more active role and in some cases maybe improved the outcomes that we had in in some in, in some races by maybe not trying to do everything be, being one one of the aspects of, of it for sure so totally agree with you uh, on that one i think as well that you know with that it's, it's also a really good learning curve in the sense that okay at least we can take away from it that you know in, in future years or future race blocks that um, we've kind of found that limit a little bit and, and you know we know just how much kind of the athlete can actually do and, and perform in well yeah exactly exactly and uh, were there any other things that you uh, had on the uh, what did not so work so well or what you would do differently list uh, for me, I mean, frankly, t- time management is always a challenge. Um, I had some uh, some study going on through the second half of this year as well, and um, you know, realistically, that that always becomes <coughs> the the second priority as it should. But there was some, some certainly some times there where potentially I could have um, just just managed time a little bit better. But uh, that that's always an, an ongoing challenge, I think, in uh, in this world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then next question: What were a couple of key areas or topics that you uh, kind of dove deeper into and committed to to learning about? Yeah, so the, I mean, the, the first thing was I actually went back for some some post grad work at uni um, in data analytics for sports performance, which was yeah, it was a really interesting um, six month course. Uh, basically, you know, just learning how to kind of wrangle raw data and and kind of put together useful information from it. Um, and frankly, <clears throat> I, I certainly see some scope as to how I could implement that, you know, in my, in my coaching and, and with athletes. Um, it, it's going to take some time to, to put together kind of, you know, code and, and things that, you know, are relevant to me and, and I think are important to my athletes. But, um, you know, now that I've got some, some, some time now that that course is finished, I, I, I really am looking forward to, you know, putting in that work to see if we can, um, you know, get some some useful and, and meaningful data out of it that it's actually quite actionable. Um, you know, and, and I think there as well, you know, it probably a little bit comes down to, you know, at my end ensuring that athletes are, are providing relatively clean data on the most part. So that that 
is going to become maybe a bit of a challenge in implementing that. But, um, you know, there's certainly some steps there that, that we can take. Um, you know, the, the other interesting part of that as well was just really getting a grasp on different sports and, and seeing how people from, you know, other sports use that kind of knowledge in, in their workplace and their fields. And, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly opened my eyes a little bit there, um, you know, to, to see that there's probably scope to, to use a little bit more tech if we wanted or a little less or, or just use it differently. So, um, yeah, it was a very interesting six months and, and hopefully I can implement that in the future. Um, the, probably the, the second thing was really mindset, you know, um, it's very easy, I think to not, not easy, but you know, it's, you, you learn the, the kind of underlying physiology of why we're doing things and, and understanding what the response should be and things like that. But, but ultimately, um, you know, performance on race day, there is an aspect there that is psychological and, and really what I kind of delved into this year was, you know, having a very deep understanding about what an athlete was capable of, but also really making sure that they were aware of what they were capable of so that they could go out and execute and be very confident in their ability to execute. How, how did you do that? Was that just a question of having conversations with the athlete or um, yeah, I'm just going to leave you to you to answer that before and not provide alternatives here. Yeah, very much, very much conversation based um, for me, um, you know, and also providing opportunities to athletes to, you know, execute on, on say paces or, or powers or things like that, um, you know, at, at race pace and, and for extended periods of time to really build that confidence over time um, to, 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 for them to see that they could actually execute it in training. Um, and, and with that, you know, have those conversations about, okay, well, you can do this now. There's no reason you can't do it on race day and, and, you know, trying to provide that, that confidence. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a tough challenge because, you know, the reality is, especially if we're talking about triathlon or any, endurance event you know there's it's it's often a roller coaster of emotions through a race and and no one expects it to be positive throughout the whole thing but um also developing some some strategies through that um to to overcome those kind of low points and um some of that i suppose came from my end but but a lot of it came from you know hearing what athletes had to say about how they've overcome those situations um you know i had an athlete recently and she she mentioned that one of her friends said you know when it starts hurting just have a gel and even something like that to me um you know it's, it's quite a a good little cue to just take your mind off you know that the fact that you're not necessarily enjoying this moment and and really doing something that might be able to you know action some change and and bring you into a better place yeah yeah that that's that's a really good really really good a really good tip and well just the general uh general mindset uh mindset and confidence discussion is is one that is really important to have with athletes to to get the most out of yourself on race day obviously but uh really really cool to hear how you have implemented that and and uh, seen seen good results uh, i want to ask about a couple of examples from the the first topic with the uh data analytics uh part so so first of all you you have a couple of things maybe that you have already been thinking of implementing in your coaching once you now have have a bit more time to to do the actual implementation 
and without any pressure of you actually having to implement that or it, uh, knowing fully well that it's not implemented yet, what are some things that you're thinking of potentially being being useful for you to do in that area? Well, I mean, I, there's already been, I suppose, quite a, a, a lot of work into, you know, um, say impulse response models and, and things like that, you know, really trying to understand that if we kind of, you know, do X, what is the expected fitness outcome in the future? And um, there's plenty of other people that have touched on that and, and are working in that space and, and doing great work. And, um, you know, that's certainly an area that I want to explore, you know, I think as well what it could help highlight and, and, you know, what I've seen from other people too is that, you know, it can really highlight that, you know, a dose of, of work that potentially athletes might not see as, as hard but it's maybe easy training can actually lead to, you know, quite a good fitness outcome down the line. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. Uh, then other than the things that we've already mentioned and talked about, was there something else that you changed in your coaching or just had a update in thinking about in 2021 compared to previously um you know i think there's there's always uh, a bit of an evolution in the nutrition side of things in racing especially um you know i, I mean i've seen a lot of athletes now you know I, i suppose it used to be uh you know 90 grams an hour i mean when i first started out everyone was talking you know one gram per kilogram body weight of carbohydrates and then it was kind of you know 90 grams an hour is the maximum and, and now i've got you know personally got athletes pushing well over 100 grams an hour and and you know doing it quite successfully um you know and i i think that's probably due to the the evolution of, of products that they, they have available but also you know the, the knowledge around it and and also just training that as well so um you know that that's ever evolving and and something that you know it's it's interesting to see how far we can take it yeah no absolutely definitely something that that i've seen as well and and being on that same uh curve of just evolving what what is what seems pract practical and uh and beneficial for athletes and, and what what the recommendations might be i absolutely agree with that Um, and then for next year, uh, do you have any coaching objectives in mind, whether they be process goals or, or outcome goals and anything that, that comes to mind? Yeah. So, you know, my plan personally is to certainly continue building on that, um, you know, that, that education uh, side of things, um, hopefully with a master's in, in, um, <clears throat> exercise science through next year, uh, alongside my coaching, which, you know, that that's exciting. And, and for me, you know, it's not necessarily sports specific. In fact, it's, it's really not, but I think to have that, you know, that good foundation, so to speak, um, you know, is, is very helpful. Um, you know, I guess it's a, an analogy would be kind of building that aerobic base, um, you know, in, in a sport like triathlon, it's a, a similar thing, you know, a similar way that I look at that, that kind of post-grad education for me. Um, you know, I think as well, as I was speaking about just before that, that nutrition side of things, I want to continue developing that, uh, knowledge and, and understanding of, of, you know, how we can manipulate that, you know, both in training and racing for, for performance outcomes. And, Also, a little bit of something that I've been experimenting with, and, and again, via, um, you know, people who know a lot more about it than I do, but is, is just utilizing heat and, and how we might be able to use that for, for training effect and, and into races. Um, so, yeah, I want to continue to um, work on understanding that and, and how we might use it, you know, with other athletes. 
Yeah, no, that heat heat training aspect is something that I'm also on the path on trying to learn more about and and really interested in at the moment and 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 reading about. Uh, so it would be great to exchange notes on on that uh, in in a little while once we have both both learned more. Uh, so that's, yeah. but those are all, re- yeah, all really cool. Yeah, my sample size is quite small, but um, you know, so far anecdotally, there's there's been some good outcomes. Yeah, no, that, that's that's awesome. Uh, excuse me, my my voice is is kind of giving up. I told you before that I've been I've been a bit <laughs> sick sick for the last week, and and today I'm fine, but I'm I'm not one hundred percent yet. It seems because my my voice is is slightly failing on me, but I'll try to make it through to the end. Um, yeah, I just also wanted to mention that yeah, getting that masters uh, sure seems like a, a great great thing to do alongside your coaching. And uh, yeah, so then just one final question: uh, What's one tip that you would give to the listeners to help their training in twenty twenty two? Look, I, I think it's a tip that frankly wouldn't be too different from what I would have given in twenty twenty one, and that's that you know the first step for for anyone should be to find a routine and load that's kind of achievable and enjoyable um you know and that's that's your foundation for everything um you know from there then then you can kind of think about your race plan and and how you might have to kind of alter that routine and load you know throughout the year to to get the best you know fitness and performance and things like that but again it comes down to having an open dialogue between you know the athlete coach and and the rest of the team and support network um, whoever that may be, to, to really understand, you know, what, what is achievable and, and what is realistic and then working from there. And also, you know, I think it's really important to note there that, okay, maybe, you know, that, that routine and load that you can handle for for most of the year is all that, you know, you'll ever have time to do. And that's also fine, right? Like it's not necessary that you need to, to add, say, more volume if, if the time isn't there. You just need to be a little bit creative with, with the training. And, um, again, that just comes down to having a really open dialogue with the people around you. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that's a great, uh, great summary, great, great tip. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much, uh, Lucky. I'll put the links to your to your Instagram and your uh, coaching profile on Scientific Triathlon in the in the show notes, so so listeners can learn more about you if they don't already know you. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, keep uh, keeping learning from you and uh, and having having great conversations as we do have on a regular basis uh, next year. And uh, good luck with uh, with all of your athletes and your coaching. Thanks, mate. Appreciate the time. Next up is Scientific Triathlon coach David Doche. You can find him on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash David or on Instagram at David Doche Performance. Welcome to the Triathlon Show, David. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm, f- I'm fine, thanks. Can you? This is your first time on the show, even though you have been with, with us at Scientific Triathlon for uh, quite a long time already. But can you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is David uh, Doge, Deutsch for the English-speaking people. <laughs> um, I think I, I've been coaching now for about two years with Scientific Triathlon. Um, yeah, before that, I did some customer support, like about a year, still doing that, but um, the focus is more on the coaching now. Um, I'm from Belgium, Belgium, but living in, in southern France. And um, I think in total, I've been coaching 
probably somewhere about about six, seven years now. Um, so it has been a while already. Yeah, and uh, you're also you're still ra- racing actively at a sort of high age group level with some uh, good, uh, great results, especially for uh, half and full Ironman uh, race distances. Uh, but uh, this is a kind of shorter form interview, so we won't go too much more into uh, in- into that. But we'll get, go to the main topic at hand, which is our learnings from 2021. So the first thing I want to ask you is that. Uh, is what what worked well for you in your coaching uh, that you want to highlight uh, from from this past year? Well, um, overall, I think like this year um, worked pretty well. Had some good results with my athletes, uh, some PBs, some some qualifications, Hawaii's um, seventy point three worlds. So that that's all in all very very good. Um, I think what what in fact worked really well this year was um my my focus is a lot on consistent training for my athletes like a lot of coaches um that also means that you need to find a bit of an optimal an optimal load for your athlete um yeah this is a long process and it 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 just takes time you need to see how your athlete reacts on stuff is he fatigued or not um after a certain training session so i think in my case this worked well um because mostly i do not really work with like three weeks of training load and then one week off or something like that but i do try to to give my athlete like constant consistent training of course with some easier days maybe a day off from time to time but I believe that that consistent training is really the key to to your own success. And in my opinion, this is something that has worked well with my athletes. And it also, I I find it also shows in the results. So that's, yeah, that's something for 2021 that has really worked. That, that's a great point and something that uh, we have a couple of times before on the podcast talked about. And of course, we have talked about that in in private and in our coaching meetings yeah. and so on. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good good one. And, and as you say, when you find the right load for the athlete, then that sort of constant training uh, really seems to be uh, be a good way to, to go about things and, and get yeah, indeed. Uh, the most out of the, the hours that the athlete has. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of that, uh, what, was there something that didn't work so well or that you would do differently? Yeah, um, that's a difficult question, in fact. Um, of course, sometimes you do not reach the results you wanted to with your athlete or, or that you're supposed uh, to have. Um, so that might be sometimes felt as a negative point and maybe maybe like a, an, um, yeah, you didn't accomplish your your goals the athlete's goals your goals you set for your athlete so it's a bit like you can feel it as a failure from time to time in my case sometimes indeed this happens and it's something something you need to um yeah you need to be aware of that you do not um yeah how to say you need to learn from it of course um the process of an athlete wants to reach a certain goal and as a coach, you you're fully into into that goal too, so you can't see it as a failure when you when you didn't reach it. Um, this is, of course, 
not only a bad thing, it's good because you're, you're involved in the whole pro- process, but it shouldn't take like the overhand. And um, so sometimes I see for myself, um, yeah, that I do not always need to see this as a, as a personal failure too. Um, just learn out of it and, and um, together with your, with your athlete, go to the next, uh, next phase of training, next racing. And, and yeah. Um, yeah, just, yeah, so, just so see it as positive. Yeah, yeah, and perhaps uh, may, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but maybe are you saying that uh, taking a bit less, uh, t- taking a bit of the emotion out of it? And, yeah, and indeed. Just seeing it a bit more, like from a just pure cold rational standpoint if you if you want to call it like that yeah no, not a cold uh standpoint but it's it's like racing racing is so dependent of a lot of factors and it doesn't always have to do with with how you prepped for it so how preparation went so um it can be due to yeah of course hydration nutrition this is something that you need to count in your training but it can also be just a bad day and yeah this doesn't necessarily have to do something with with you. So, um, but in in fact, uh, like you say, you need to look at it rational and see, okay, look at it in its whole context. And it's not only what you, uh, what you prescribed as a training session. So, um, but that doesn't mean that you do not need to analyze things. Yeah. So basically, basically you can analyze it better, perhaps if you, uh, you, you can analyze it better and find the, the reason sort of points for improvement. Perhaps yep. if you if you are a little bit, if you make sure that you, you don't get overly, uh, you know, emotional about yeah, the true, result. True. Or, yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good point. And uh, next one. What were a couple of key areas or topics that you uh, dove deeper <clears> into <throat> and committed to learning about? And can you share one or two nuggets from these areas? Yeah, um, I think in my case, it's really like with scientific triathlon. Um, I've been coaching for two years now for scientific triathlon, but this year's really, um, yeah, it, it upped a bit my game, meaning that I had some more athletes um, finding for myself, indeed, also a good balance of, okay, um, this is where my maximum is to, to keep it professional. So um, I, this year was, in fact, all about optimizing my, my, my own coaching, my own way of coaching and searching, in fact, a, a, yeah, my own approach too, meaning that I, I, got a, I, I think I got a lot deeper into, into the physiology of training um, and, yeah, the training science, how to, how to um, use this in my, in my own training. You know, as a coach, you always have an idea of certain yeah, of, of certain training you want to, uh, yeah, certain results you want to accomplish with your athlete, but um, in the in the science in scientific research, there's so much info that um, that you can use, but you also need to find, yeah, a way through through that through that forest which ha- which has lots of different info. Um, so in my this year for me was yeah really about searching the way through that forest and not only thinking about certain extremes or, or for example only you, you need to go only polarized or you need to go pyramidal or only sweet spot threshold training so for me it's important to um 
because I, I have the idea, I have the, the approach of, okay, you need to use um, every type of session. You can use it in different periods of the year. Um, every type of session has its meaning. So I wanted to find a way where, where I could like um, combine all that stuff. Uh, depending, of course, of what your athlete's metabolic profile is. So for me, that metabolic profile um, is important. Doing some testing, getting to know really physically, uh, physiology your athlete, uh, physiologically your athlete. Um, this is very important, I think. And based on that, I try to find a yeah an approach for a certain athlete. One size doesn't fit all. So for for one athlete, it might be the polarized way, or for another, it might be yeah more sweet spot based. Um, based on do you have like a high VLA max or a low, or do you, do you need to work on on that fat max on VO two all the stuff. So I think this year was really about optimizing that for myself. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's well, that, about... that's, 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 that's a very big area already. So yeah, so yeah true, don't, true, true, true. <laughs> don't need to find anything else than that, but yeah, that's a, a really great, um, a great, uh, perspective. And, uh, yeah, as I said, a big, big topic to, to, to try to basically opt, use, use the yeah. physiology of the athlete and, and yeah. optimize your own coaching process to it, both with the, the existing science but also as you say not going to any extreme and not and and taking the experience that you see as well yeah. to how to how to work with different profiles of athletes yeah um yeah and uh what is something that you changed in your coaching or updated your thinking about uh, in 2021 compared to uh, the previous years i didn't really change anything but like i said i optimized and uh for sure that i try to find more um let's say uh, i became much more creative than before um still i am using for certain athletes um just like the the uh yeah the normal for example a normal vo2 session um one minute on one minute off let's say um repeating that but i also try to find Again, a way being very creative with sessions to um, to be much more race specific and also to keep in mind that training it might be important to well it is important to keep the training interesting for for athletes too motivating them. Um, athletes do not always have all the time to 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 train, so you need to get the most out of a session, and that's what I yeah I got better into. Um, yeah, re really being very creative with, with session, depending on their, again, their metabolic profile. And of course, if, if he or she is ready for that, because uh, for certain sessions, you need already to have like a good base endurance. Um, and, and once the athlete was ready for that, I got much more into, yeah, f using lots of, uh, an example for yeah would be in in a specific period uh, specific training for for example a 70.3 race i would i would use a mix of maybe a, a threshold uh, search or or pickup and then going back to 70.3 power or or and playing a bit there playing with cadences so being very creative with sessions to to cover the whole uh, the whole aspect of 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 your race and uh, 
and at the same time you are also focusing on on yeah on on the physiology on the metabolic profile of, of what do you want to reach with the uh, with that session um recruitment of fibers stuff like that so i think um yeah this is something i updated more than before um so being creative yeah no i'm i'm in the exact same boat here that's that's also something that i i kind of changed uh okay or at least uh, in, increased uh, this year compared to previous years and and i mean we have as as you know talked about this topic quite a bit in in some of our coaching meetings mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so i'm uh, f- fully on board with with that i think it's it's a great way to um to get the athlete really ready for for anything that might come up on race day yeah and it works well too um in in my case i see i see good results with it yeah yeah exactly and and i think i think one thing that that it helps with as well is kind of the increasing the athlete's autonomy but also on a day-to-day basis helping them get depending on how you structure the session getting the most out of the session on the day depending on whether they have a bit of a a day that is a great day versus an off day and these sorts of of sessions can can sometimes even be help you you don't even need to necessarily prescribe a power pace target or something it can be more based on feel as you say surge to threshold effort and then to raise raise pace but then then you make sure that you can uh that it is what threshold feels like on the day or what race pace feels like on the day and i think in these sessions the athletes kind of buy into that uh, very well yeah indeed it isn't every time every day the same that threshold it really it's just a number but it changes from day to day the same with 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 maybe your lt1 and um so you need to take indeed you need to take it into account and yeah Yeah, like you say rp based is uh, is important too yeah uh and uh, looking forward what are your coaching objectives for next year um Again, scientifically getting stronger, always learning, um, keeping that creativity. That's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's something, uh, I for sure want to keep for 2022 and, and again, optimize it more and more. Um, I also think maybe something more on the, um, um, yeah, what's it called? I'm, I'm pretty democratic in my coaching, meaning that I'm, I like to talk with my athlete, uh, define the goals together, uh, yeah, it's. I I just want to keep this approach. I think it's important to to always remember that you are coaching a human being, and um, so so your athlete also finds the confidence um, by by implicating them in in the whole process. So this is important. Uh, take action together and and then review, get feedback, um, discuss a lot of things. So this is an approach I just want to keep. It's something that I already do, but I think it's it's oh, something that works well too. So um, for me, it's important to to keep on doing that. Um, um, yeah, and maybe another objective would be like athletes are are very motivated, and I'm also very motivated. Um, yeah, to help them to to make the uh, to so they can reach their goals they have and um i I, yeah as a coach you just need to keep that vibe and um, you'll benefit both of it uh, of it so so these are a bit my objectives for the for the next year yeah those are great great objectives and and i think from from my experience the 
the two things that you mentioned there last, the motivation part and the involving the athletes uh, or be having a strong sort of feedback loop with the athletes and, and being yep. in, having them be involved in the process, uh, in particular things like the goal setting, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two can feed into each other because if you together have a clear picture of what the goals for the next year are like then it's much easier as a coach to remain super motivated for that but if if anything is unclear on that side if maybe you and the athlete aren't exactly working towards the same goals then that that can lead to frustration and, and lack of motivation because because you you're not really on the same page so yeah that's that's what i found from from experience at least that uh when the one leads to the other almost in in that sense yeah so i think those are really good points Indeed. uh and f- finally what's uh one tip any any tip that it can, can be about anything that you would give the listeners to help their training in 2022 yeah one tip is, is of course difficult because i think i have a lot of tips <laughs> but um yeah I'll, I'll let you give two or three tips then if you want to <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks thanks no uh for sure it would be uh, as an athlete even if you are not coached um and and you're self-coached for example keeping that consistency of training because again i, I really see this as as key and uh, i may repeat it too much uh to my athlete but it is just important believe in the process um and and give it time um Progress doesn't come from one day to the other day, but progress comes by training day in, day out. Um, have patience, have patience, and you, you'll get there. Um, don't exhaust yourself with training. So, um, But by keeping it consistent and yeah, finding that optimal balance, um, it isn't always the session that really matters. It's, um, it's what you do day in, day out, I think. So that would be, yeah, that would be a tip I would give. Keep it consistent and, yeah, and be yeah. patient. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, of yeah. course uh, like the main the main thing <laughs> in endurance sports. No question about it. I, I think one thing that I yeah. talked about a lot on the podcast uh, related to this is one of the key metrics that I look at is well, how many hours did the athlete train in a year? And we often mm-hmm. get hung up on like weekly hours or maybe monthly hours, but but actually. When, when you look at this on a yearly basis, that's when you really see which athletes have managed to stay consistent because they will yeah. really be at a much higher level of training volume for the entire year than yeah. those that, that were not. So, so, so that would be maybe if I can give one tip here, I would say look at your yearly training hours and think, think about the composition of them. Was that being consistent week in, week out or were there stretches when you were not training? And then if you want to set a yeah. goal, a process goal for 2022, you can take your yearly hours for this year as a as a baseline and maybe maybe increase that by, by 50 hours. I think it's a reasonable, mm-hmm. depending on where you are, it could even be 100 hours more. But uh, 50 to 100 hours, I think is a good range that is feasible for most unless you're like really already stretching the limit of what you're able to sustain training wise but uh for most people 50 to 100 would be would be okay but yeah as a metric for consistency and for patience as you mentioned uh i I would say that the yearly training hours is is a is a really good one to look at Mm -hmm. yeah 
All right. Well, thank you, David, uh, for this. Uh, it was great to hear about uh, your uh, your review for 2021 here so, or your thoughts about it. And I'll put all the links in the show notes to where people can find you on Scientific Triathlon and, and on uh, Instagram and so on. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you on our next coaching meeting. And uh, <laughs> in the meantime, right. have, a, have a good uh, rest of your week. Yeah, thanks. You too. Bye. And now I will share my thoughts on each of the questions I discussed with Loki and David. And just for context, I put together my answers and my notes before chatting with Loki and David. So, so they're not uh, really influenced by, by those interviews. And, uh, and I will just report on what I wrote down and took note of uh, before any of the interviews were conducted. So let's start with the first question. What worked well for me in my coaching in 2021? Um, so I have a few things that I've noted. Uh, first of all, using RPE more and more to prescribe training intensities. I think this worked really well, especially with experienced athletes, because they are really good at training by RPE. And compared with training to pace or, or power or even heart rate, using RPE, I think in many cases, helps uh, experienced athletes do the workout at the right intensity for the given day. We can get more squeezed out of a really good day because the athletes might push themselves harder than, than might otherwise. But vice versa, we also ensure that athletes don't push too deep on days when the body is not responding in the same way. And this is, of course, something that I know that a lot of athletes have a hard time with because there is a sense of security in having a certain number that you're trying to hit that is seen as quote-unquote ideal. But in reality, I think that the human body and physiology are so complex and, and always changing, never completely static, that I really think more and more that that is a false sense of security. And uh, if anything, you can see RPE as a number to follow as well. Just put it on a 10-point scale or a 20-point scale or whatever you want to do. And, and then that's also a number. Uh, but it comes straight from the master regulator, from the brain. And uh, the brain has access to all of the information that uh, you don't have necessarily in a uh, in a conscious manner like the, the brain understands the the acute metabolic biomechanical hormonal emotional and so on uh demands on the body and, and the state of the body in in all of those uh in, in all of those systems so uh, that's not to say that i'm always using rpe as the primary guide for intensity uh, even though i always uh i'm always uh, saying that it has to be part of the picture you can never do a workout without understanding your rpe and taking that into account but basically what what i found worked quite well is more and more actually using it as a primary guide for intensity rather than using power and heart rate and um, and yeah i'm seeing good results with that in particular inexperienced athletes then the second point somewhat related is adding in a bit more athlete autonomy in certain cases so as an example of, of doing that, of adding athlete autonomy would be not telling the athlete that they should do exactly six times 800 meters of run intervals or eight times 800 meters. Uh, again, I think this might be another case of a false sense of security or even a coach's need to seem important by knowing exactly the number of intervals to do on a given day. But really, since we don't know exactly, why not just tell the athlete to do between six and eight times 800 meters, depending on how you feel on the day? And like in the case of RPE, uh, then we can ensure that we get the most out of a given day, uh, but also that we don't push too deep on days that, that are not as good. So again, I would mostly use this with experienced athletes that are very much in tune with their body. 
And uh, also, I do have to be completely honest here. I still keep falling back into my old habits of giving one specific prescription, six times 800, eight times 800, whatever it may be, rather than a range more often than not. So so it is work in progress for me. Uh, but, uh, but I'm making an effort to try to use this sort of flexible prescriptions more often. And when I do, I, I think that the results are generally quite quite good. So if we combine this example of prescription with the RPE-based prescription, the complete workout prescription might be do between 6 to 8 times 800 meters at 10k race effort, if we're talking about the run workout, for example. Another example of autonomy might be something that I credit David Tilbury Davis with introducing to me back around episode 50 or so. And uh, that would be to allow the athlete to splice up the the workout or the main set of a workout as they please. So to give an example, you might give a main set of 40 minutes of running of which 20 minutes should be done at between 5k to 10k race effort, but you can splice it up as you see fit. So in other words, you can choose to do 20 times one minute, 10 times two minutes, or any one of an infinite number of combinations, depending on what what it feels like on the day and and this allows the athlete to to adjust based on their their athletic phenotype almost in in many different ways and and as well as the acute changes or and day-to-day changes in the state of the body metabolically biomechanically hormonally emotionally and so on and the final point that uh, i think worked well is uh, more deliberate uh, positive reinforcement uh, by which I mean consciously re- rewarding good decision making and good behaviors to increase the likelihood of getting repeated good decision making and positive behaviors in future situations, si- situations that are both similar and different to to that particular situation. So, for example, being deliberate with telling the athlete that they made a good choice if they decided to abort a run when they felt a niggle that they deemed had even a slight risk of developing into an injury. Uh, another one that came up a few times is acknowledging the athlete and telling them they made a good choice if they had a really bad night of sleep and decided to turn an intense workout into an easy aerobic workout. And uh, and also, there are those were both examples of, of an athlete easing back, which I do think have been the most common situations where I've really used this deliberately. But but there are other situations that are more on the on the opposite side of the spectrum. So uh, acknowledging and uh, and uh, giving positive reinforcement when athletes uh, deliberately take a risk, for example, in a race, and decide to ride at a higher power than planned to stay with a group or something. Whether it succeeded or not, maybe the athlete managed to stay strong until the end, or maybe they lost time on the run as a consequence. But but you can give praise to the decision of for being brave and trying something in the moment that might pay off, whether it actually pays off or not, uh, because... Uh, it it could be a breakthrough race when on the day it, it works uh, and if it's not then it's still a great lesson learned of where you are at the moment sometimes you win and sometimes you learn and just personally thinking back to some of my best ever race performances uh, or several of my best the, the races where i felt that i performed the absolute best i never stuck to my plan in any of those races but i actually went harder on the day than i would have thought before the race that i was capable of and managed to pull it off so if, if you don't if you can't take a decision in the moment to be brave and and uh, go away from your plan, you might lose out on those kinds of breakthrough days and, and breakthrough races. So 
even if the outcome sometimes is of course not positive you 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 basically bonk or you 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 don't manage to stay strong until the end you you can still uh, acknowledge uh, the, the decision positively then the next question what did not work so well or what would i do differently and this is something we discussed in the interview with with Lockie and definitely race planning is something i think i could have done a lot better especially for those athletes that are really performance driven uh, i don't think we always made the right call on which races to do when and and more importantly perhaps which races to decide not to do and uh, as we discussed already uh, this was definitely made much more complicated by the hangover from races being cancelled due to the pandemic but uh, that's not something i want to use as an excuse it, it actually just provided a an interesting learning environment and uh, and i think that in hindsight it's pretty clear that some of those decisions were, were not the best but um but yeah it's it's always good good to learn from those decisions as well uh, so yeah basically i think that in many cases we just didn't have as clear of a plan going into the year as we should have had of what the year would look like and that made planning the different training periods challenging. And in some cases, I think we just could have done a better job there and got more out of the athletes uh, if we had known from the start of the year what we were getting into and when. And this is, this is definitely something I take with me and I'm going to change and be more clear and specific about uh, going forward. And, and I would definitely do that differently if I could go back to the start of the year now. And next, what were a couple of key areas or topics that I dove deeper into and committed to learning about? So one that stands out, and I don't even feel that I can say that I dove deep into it because I feel like I'm only only scratching the surface, even barely because it's such a big area. But, but the area that I want to uh, highlight here and that I did learn a lot about is around different coaching styles, communication styles and motivation and so on. And uh, one particular nugget that stands, stands out to me from this area is, is the concept of motivational interviewing, which is a coaching or communication technique that actually originated in addiction rehab facilities, I think in the 70s or 80s maybe. But since then, it has been translated into many different fields uh, over, over the years. And in short, the point of it is to just guide the athlete to come up with answers themselves rather than giving them answers. And this greatly increases the buy-in and the commitment to the plan. And, and also it's uh, important to acknowledge that as coaches, we, we are really guides. We, we, don't, we don't have the answers because there are not necessarily answers to anything. There are, there are best practices perhaps, or there are at least better practices and not so great practices but but you never know it's always an individual experiment so 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 helping the athlete guide themselves to the right answer i think is is really a technique that uh that i think makes a lot of sense especially since it increases the athlete's commitment to the plan and when you're committed to a plan it has that much higher likelihood of succeeding and leading to improvements so yeah basically i read an entire book on on this topic of motivational interviewing so it's it's a bit difficult to distill it down into a short and concise uh, kind of practical tip but but increasing the amounts of questions you ask an athlete rather than just statements you say in a conversation is a good place to start and and of course really being open-minded to to different ideas and inputs from the athlete and incorporating that in your coaching those are a couple of of kind of key key tenants of of this whole communication style slash coaching style 
The next question is what is something that I changed in my coaching or updated my thinking about in 2021 compared to previously? And uh, well, as we talked about in, in the interviews before, I think as a coach, you're always trying to evolve and improve. So so basically, I mean, I think I, I, don't, I think there are very few things that I that, that I think exactly the same way about as uh, as I did previously. Like you always find some something new, and but but these might be uh, changes that are maybe one to five percent. So so the magnitude might be small in some areas; they might be bigger in other areas. Uh, but but you're always evolving, so nothing is ever static in coaching. Uh, I, I at least I think that's how it should be. And of course, some of the things I already mentioned that worked well for me and areas that I dove deeper into, there are definitely things that change in my coaching. So, so there are already a few things there. But other than that, there are a couple of details that spring to mind. And uh, first, I feel that I slightly cut down on run volume with many athletes in favor of bike volume and got equally good run results if not better with less risk so that's that's one thing and on quite on the sort of technical and programming side of things uh, another thing that i can think of is that in strength and conditioning i definitely started incorporating more unilateral movements like step ups lunges split squats and so on i have definitely done that before as well but in previous years I think that I've put them in a clear secondary role to the big movements like squats and deadlifts and the main bilateral exercises that you see in a lot of the literature about strength and conditioning and endurance athletes were clearly kind of the the main course, so to say, of a strength and conditioning workout. But this year I, I changed that and I actually have put the same importance on the unilateral exercises. And this was a result of discussions I had with uh, several top top strength and conditioning coaches and and then just trying it out and seeing that it seemed to work really well so so that's that's one uh reasonably big change uh and uh finally uh, i think my view of testing has shifted a bit and i have done less physiological testing and more field testing or a combination of uh, field and physiological testing i guess like a critical power test so I do still like to do physiological testing in some cases, but I'm definitely not using it as much as I used to. And it's become more of a plan B, I guess, or even a plan C. If an athlete has stagnated a bit and we can't quite figure out why, then I think that that's where we kind of revert to testing. Can we figure something out from that that we can't figure out from just their general training and racing performances and their feedback? But but it's no longer kind of a first port of call or or maybe even a second because i think that we can get first of all i think i'm probably doing less testing anyway but but i'm kind of quite happy with doing field testing especially if you're doing something like a critical power test critical speed critical pace test you get a lot of information from from that sort of thing the next question is what are my coaching objectives for next year for 2022 and this will sound very simple and and it is very simple but just having clear very clear agreed upon goals with with all the athletes that i'm coaching that are exciting for both the athlete and for me as a coach and then that's that's basically it that's the goal because that's something that i felt was missing the last two years uh and of course a lot of that has been due to the uncertainty surrounding race calendars and so on and uh but but still, I think that that because goals have changed, races have been cancelled, and so on, both athletes and coaches have have in part struggled with motivation when there haven't been 
those clear goals and objectives in place or they have been taken away from us. So so making sure that we have goals is my main thing. Uh, and then I think so much else follows from there. And then helping the athlete achieve those those goals will, will flow from actually having them in the first place. And probably making sure that the goals we have are also not completely dependent on the, on the race calendar. I mean, that, that goes without saying after these last two years probably, but but I, I think that that's uh, that's really it. I think if you have if you're in a good place when you start, then you're so much uh, uh, so much more likely to be in a good place when you finish. And I think that when it comes to coaching and the coach athlete relationship, having good, clear, agreed upon goals that's that's really being at, at a good place when you're starting off. So so being really really intentional about that, I think, is is something that that is a main objective for me. And uh, then finally, what's one tip that I would give to listeners to help their training in 2022? Uh, so we got some great tips here already from uh, both David and Lockie. Uh, I'm going to get a bit cheeky here, but I would say get a coach and that's not to be self-promoting. Uh, I think even if you can't or don't want to get a professional coach, maybe just start using a friend's knowledge, some, a friend who is really into training uh, or a club mate who would be willing to coach you for free. Uh, I think that having that third party objectivity and second set of eyes and fresh set of ideas, uh, that, that really can be invaluable. Uh, it's, it's something that is, it's really impossible to be object, completely objective with yourself and, and we all have biases. So that's, that's one of the main things that you can get from, from even if it's just a, a motivated uh, fellow athlete that that helps you but ideally of course a professional coach is uh, is the best way to go um, so yeah for improvements for reaching your goals in whatever it may be not just sports but in other areas as well if you can have somebody who helps you as a coach then then that's that would be my tip to to get the most out of yourself and and uh, and improve the most that you can so that's it. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, episode. Do let me know what you think about it because it's uh, kind of a format that we haven't really done before. So I'm very curious to hear your feedback. You can, as always, find the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com and you can find Lockie and David there. I'll have links to both their coaching pages on the website and their Instagrams over there so you can follow them. Next Monday, I interview Dr. Peter Leo, who is a researcher and cycling coach from Austria. I had a really great time chatting with Peter. He's done some tremendous research on power and physiological profiling in cycling. So make sure you don't miss that first episode of 2022. Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and take their free online sweat test to get a personalized hydration strategy and book a free consultation about hydration and nutrition with one of the precision hydration experts. Use the code DATTRAFLONSHOW15 to get 15% off your first order of electrolyte and energy products. And thank you to Senate. Use the Senate Swim Trainer to improve your technique, power, stamina, and most importantly, your swim training consistency. Get 20% off your order of the Swim Trainer with the promo code that you can get on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And don't forget, this is a risk-free investment. If you don't love it after two weeks, send it back and you'll get a full refund. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving craft.